Today we are talking to Dave Izbitsky, the chief evangelist of Amazon's Alexa, and we discuss leading through influence rather than authority, using technology to make a meaningful impact, and how passion, curiosity, and continuous learning fit together. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Okay, I think I think the levels are pretty good. How am I sounding? Do I sound alive? Yeah, you sound good. I use the same tool for my podcast. I use Zencaster. And since they added those like health checks, it's Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> well, it was bad before because you didn't know what was going on, but I always it freaks me out cuz I my guests always get the warning to use permanent storage versus temporary. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this? It doesn't it doesn't just doesn't make sense. And then I've been on a couple podcasts where they're using um oh gosh, I can't think of the name of it now. It's like everybody's using it. It's called all right now Skype. No, <laughs> they don't use Skype. Nobody yeah. has used Skype, which I guess is like old school. Uh hold on, I'll tell you one second because they spam me all the time when I Zoom. Zoom video. Oh. So it's like, I think the URL is zoom dot, let me see, zoom dot, if you want to check, zoom.us. Um, yes. And I had somebody, uh, oh, it was Bradley with the voice first. He did like Zoom and then he did Zencaster or or maybe it was an, somebody did both. Like they had Zoom and Zen, Zencaster like as backups. Yeah, I've, I've guessed on a couple podcasts and sometimes the backups get a little bit crazy. Like some people do triple backups. Yeah, and then they're like, send me, like you record it and send it to me. And I'm like, seriously, dude? Yeah. Like, I don't, like don't rely on me. I'm sure I'll screw it up. <laughs> right? It's like, you're here, come over to my house. Oh, and can you make dinner? <laughs> exactly. But that's what I love about podcasting. It's like, it's just scrappy. It's just people talking, you know, it's like, you know, the more formal it comes, it's more like a show or a broadcast television than it is a podcast, you know, yeah, you lose like the cool underground quality of just hanging out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I've actually, when I've guests on podcasts, sometimes it, it, it throws me for a loop because, you know, when I started out to do a podcast, it happened by accident, right? So I was recording these calls. I was having conversations about the books with other CTOs. Yeah, right? and then it turned into a podcast, and and so I never knew I had never listened to a podcast before, and so I didn't have any idea of what they were like or anything like that. So I didn't realize that when I went on other people's podcasts, sometimes they will record the intro in front of you. Have yeah, you ever had this happen? Yeah, I always I do it everything in post, so it's just a conversation, and then I stitch it all together. Cause I don't know. I also have to have PR review my podcast. So yes. I don't know the timing of the episode numbers and stuff like that. So it's, I always do that in post so that I can be a little more flexible with guest schedules and things like that. Yeah. And I've had people that do the full thing. Like you hear the intro music go and, yeah. and then that, that actually, I rarely get nervous, but like when you hear it all together, then I'm like, I just hope I don't screw it up for them. Versus exactly. just having a conversation, you know, it's funny. Well, that, that's, that's what it did. So the first time I go in, I'm like my first guest on someone else's podcast, I'm like, you know, 30 episodes into my podcast. Right. And I go guest on someone else's 
and they do this whole, we're talking five, 10 minutes go by. I'm like, cool, cool, man. This is a great podcast. And they're like, all right, we're ready to do the intro. I'm like, what? We haven't started the podcast yet. They're like, no. And, and then they go and do this big intro, this massive buildup. And then ask me this really heavy question. And I'm like, dude, like I didn't, I've never been nervous before, but congratulations. You found the formula. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what, that's what I like. I'm wired the same way. There's like this switch where I just don't want to let other people down. And when it's that formal, you're like, okay, now if I screw up, it's going to, it's going to be worse. Cause it's like, they've already set it all up. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hey, I'm, I've got a couple questions. Uh, sure. that I'm really, really interested uh, to hear from you on the first one is like, how did you fall in love with technology, man? I want to know the story. There's always a story. So, um, man, how did I fall in love with technology? So I was one of those kids in school that was shy, didn't have a lot of friends and kind of got picked on. This is like grade school. And I found myself just, I think like, cause I've thought about this a lot. Like why I was always into like sci-fi and all this, but why computers? And I think it was a control thing for me back then in that it was something where I could create my own worlds because I started out literally when I got a Commodore VIC-20. The first thing I did was like try to make a Zork adventure. And when oh, I look nice. back, yeah, I'm like, why am I doing this? And I'm like, because it's like I'm just creating and it's it's an environment. It's almost like a journal. When you write into your diary – and I still do this, by the way. I, I still journal my feelings out. I'm almost like my own social media network. Um <laughs> And, and it does help because nobody can, they, nobody can touch that. Nobody can judge that. And I think what happened was because I, I was kind of in that headspace, I had a lot of time alone. And so I was sucked into this world of computer programming and computers. And then right around that same age is when Star Wars came out, all of the um, – uh, like stuff like the black hole movie came out, all the star Trek movies came out and like sci-fi to me was just this huge part of my life. And uh, I started reason uh, reading Isaac Asimov. And then yeah. um, I remember, gosh, what grade was it? It was probably seventh or eighth grade. This is like the trifecta of geekery, right? So seventh or eighth grade. So I had already been, I think I picked up my first computer, probably around fourth grade. So I had been like coding and doing all this, right? And then seventh grade, I had a best friend who introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons. And from that, I started reading like all these Dragonlance novels and just really dreaming of worlds and how like I was attracted to like worlds that um, like cyberpunk worlds too, that where like technology is magic, right? The quote of yeah. – uh, of, you know, uh, uh, technology is indistinguishable from magic, um, you know, when it's, when it's so far advanced. Um, I think that was Asimov that said that. And, um, so that happened. And then eighth grade, uh, I had a friend that in, I met someone who introduced me to comic books. I was just talking to my brother the other day about like when I got into comics books, cause he's like, you got me into comic books. And I remember starting off with like Marvel. Um, and then before like all the, um, like Todd McFarlane had like just started doing Spider-Man and and like all so it's like 
it's really um, if you ever if, if this sounds like if your listeners if this sounds familiar you have to check out one of my favorite podcasts it's non-technical it's called the In- instance by Scott Johnson is on uh, Frog Pants Network and he does an interview with this guy Chris Metzen who was one of the original founders of Blizzard and he's he's very much like grew up around the same age as me and he's created like the World of Warcraft background stories and all of this lore. And it was fascinating. He did this hour long episode, like growing up geek and seeing how that's gone mainstream now with all the movies and um, like how it's cool to game now and like how that was different in childhood and it affected him. That's a really, if you ever want to listen to that, that put things into perspective to me. Cause I was like, gosh, the same thing. I had this trifecta of technology had no limits, right? It was like, people were so blown away by computers in the eighties that they were like, I, and that's my father was always like, this is the future. Like, you know, you can make a career out of this. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like nobody, there was no like uh, ceiling on it. It was the one thing in my life as a kid that there wasn't anybody that said, you can't do that, right? Like I was the one doing stuff nobody saw before. I remember, I, it just came back to me. I remember in high school, I was teaching the course because it was the math teachers got assigned <laughs> computer science. And my teacher was like, Dave, you code at home. Can you start doing lessons plans? And I was like, sure. So we like all wrote code. Maybe that's my early evangelism and teaching thing, right? <laughs> Is that like I fell in love with technology and then suddenly at an age of like, 14 year old kid i was teaching classes you know well if, if technology is magic then you're like a magician yeah <laughs> i mean that's how my my experience with technology was too my father is a programmer and was programming microchips and taught oh, me how to program nor in zor gates and all that kind of stuff i i had some of that in college and i was like whoa yeah, he was um, in the Air Force and special program where they installed the first GPS systems into the B-32 stealth bombers. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he went right out of high school into the Air Force and then got his technology education while in the Air Force. And then he taught me when I was very young because my mom didn't want three kids in the house, so I got chosen to go to work with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so he sat me with some computer books and a cubicle and was like, hey, you know, do, do some of this. And and I thought it was really cool because I had seen like, you know, the war movie or w- whatever the movie is. What is war it? Games with Matthew oh, Broderick? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, I can make the computer talk. And he taught me how to like echo something or like wall some message. And I was like, oh, yeah. man. And then I started looking at the my first programs were looking through the commands, like running uh, configuration just to output configuration. And then I b- built a little script that would pull up a menu and let me run which configuration I wanted to output just to like... I could press one and the code, the command would run like instead of me actually having to run the command. And that was my very first like programming. And I, I just became addicted to it because I could go to people that look what I look at this. It's like, I was the magician. Look at this trick. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's the other part of it. Cause I, I was just talking to somebody the other day um, and they were asking for advice, uh, career advice. They were just starting out. They were at a, a college. And I was like, you know, like it's so important when you're just starting out to get actual hands-on experience. Because to me, technology is more vocation than it is theory. Unless you're doing like some artificial intelligence, like real research in into uh, you know how computers can think or something like that. If you're going to go out there and get paid for a living – 
it's so vocational. It's like the apprentice days of like, if you were a blacksmith and you took on an apprentice, like you learned from a master, right? And what happens is you learn those skills. Like you learn how computer programs are written. You learn how technology works. It's like, that's how I always figure out. I could figure out any interface because you know that how computer programs are and how developers think, right? And so you build those up. And so the best thing you can do as you're starting your career is to like try all these different things, work with all these different people, find people who can be mentors and like learn all about the different languages. But then you'll start to see, you know, similarities. And because it's a vocation, like my background, like I didn't, I was the first person in my family to go to college, right? Like I am, I am from a family of butchers. My, it was my great grandfather who came from Poland. They were up in the coal mines in Bethlehem. Right. And so it was like, I'm the first person who's ever even like looked at tech. No pressure. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what, what, what was cool for it when I remember early days, like looking at this is it was like, I'll never starve because like I'm at Amazon today. Right. But if, if like I ever decided to leave, I could go and I could take, like, I could go back into just like coding. I could take on a three month consulting job to code, or I could lead a team of devs, or I could go do the the BDM side of it, right? Like, there's just, there, I don't know of any other field where it's that employable. It's all willing, like, what you're willing to take on. But once you have those skills, um, that's huge for quality of life. And there's, um, there's another uh, uh, podcaster, um, uh, Ryan uh, Carson. He does uh, educate yourself. If you haven't checked that out, you should uh, you should check it out. And he's this he he's created his own company, and he is this real believer in everyone should have access to um, being able to code. And uh, he started this company called uh, Treehouse. And just oh, Treehouse. Yeah. And just some yeah. of the stories he's told me of like people, like he had a guy that was just homeless on the street. Um, and then he learned to code and he's making like six figures, right? Like, and that's to me, what's exciting about technology is if you've got a passion for it, like that's how I recruit people. And it's always bewildered companies that I'm at because everybody's kind of got like this flow uh, you know, every company's got their way of hiring. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, it's not about that because I've been, I've been doing this long enough. If I see somebody with passion and they're at night and they're learning and they're tinkering, then that's the person that two, two months from now when the entire industry changes because of some disruption is <laughs> the person that's going to be like, heck yeah, this is awesome. I'm going to go learn it and create something. And that's how you're, you're successful, right? Not because you learned uh, from some API 100 page it used to be when i started at, like you had these 100 paid apis on like <laughs> the, the windows uh win32 apis right and it was like you could get a job because you knew the win32 apis and look where desktop computing is now right and so it's that passion and i think that's what's made me where i am today is that i always assumed whatever i knew was going to be useless and so I was never afraid to kind of like start over again. And I naturally get bored very quickly. So I'm fine starting over again and l learning something new. It's like that um, – it's like what reminds me of being that little kid, right? Like the yeah. first time I opened that book, I still have my Commodore VIC-20 manual with the first uh, program I wrote, right? That's and awesome. Yeah. And I open that sometimes and read it. It's like old – you know, it's, it's old pieces of paper and stuff from – decades ago, but it's like, 
I try to like focus on those feelings I got the first time I opened that. I'm like, oh, wait, I, I'm empowered to make this do this, right? And nobody has ever seen it before and I've created it. I think it's like how artists feel sometimes when they yep. create stuff too, right? You've brought something into existence that wasn't there before. I, I love – so a couple of things. I, I like to say my superpower is curiosity. So I think – Oh, that's to, great. Yeah. Right? Like I used to think I was really stupid. And then I realized that the way I was taught for the first 12 years of my life was not the way people learn. Yeah. So I had to, through through my computer education of reading, having to understand, playing, taking it very slowly, very patiently, step by step, and, and wanting, having a desire to like make the computer do something, I ended up learning how to teach myself. And then I found myself explaining it to other people. And I actually found that when I explained to other people it created a deeper understanding for myself, right? Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. You can't explain it to somebody else unless you understand it. Right. And then I found things like the Feynman technique, like Rich Feynman, and saying basically, if you can't explain it to a three-year-old, you don't understand it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then I, and then I have this, uh, this, this curiosity with that tool is unstoppable because that means I'm naturally curious. I go into, I could go into, you could put me in a room right now, a physicist. I'm going to be like, Ooh, who's got my knowledge? <laughs> who's going to, who's going to teach me something, right? Like I'm going to find, I'm going to make them explain physics to me. Like as if it were, you know, a herd of animals, you know, I'm just going to find the thing that I can latch onto so I can achieve a level of understanding so I can build upon it and then ask them more questions. So yeah, I feel exactly like you <laughs> when you were saying that you have, it's this overwhelming sense of security that you can go into any situation. It, the market can change as much as it would like. I don't know, maybe clay manufacturing all of a sudden becomes the only thing the world is interested in tomorrow. And I could go learn clay manufacturing and then rise up in that world as far as I wanted to go. Right. 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 And I, it's, it's, you know, it's like the curiosity. So I was giving advice to somebody the other day too. They found, and and this is not uncommon. Like I assured them, you're going to find because they were out of work, right? And they re, they knew they had three months before their next gig. And I'm like, you know what? That's super common. Like you could be you could be in school and you've got like the summer, right? Or I said you may still have work, but mentally, I've been at points in this where I've been at in in positions where I'm brain dead. The job is so easy that I start to get these feelings of like worthlessness and to everybody else, they're like, Oh yeah, you're doing such a great job. And it's like, and, and I'm like, why is that? And I'm like, it's because my curiosity got killed off. Yeah. And so the advice I gave them was like, look, you don't, cause they're like, I don't know which programming language. And I said, forget that. I said, you're in this age where there's so much access to different things. I'm like, go on YouTube and like type in like how to play a guitar or type in, you know, like how to build a Raspberry Pi uh, robot or, you know, flying a drone, like any topic and go learn that. Because what I found for me is that'll build out my curiosity and my excitement again. So then that will spill into all other areas of my life. And if you are, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're finding yourself, maybe you're in a company where it's a large organization, the organization's doing really well, you're doing really well. And so things are mechanical because you've figured it out. There's not a lot of disruption or innovation going on. You could do that by going out and learning in other areas of, of your life. And I think that curiosity, that's what's important to be really, really serious and, and focus on yourself and be like, 
am I a curious, because you may not be a curious person, you know, but once you know, if you are, you have to feed it. I think you can kill it off a little bit by ignoring it. But I think as humans, every human has the capacity to spark it up and then strengthen it. Yeah. And the problem is you can get in, in career. I've seen this pattern over and over again. When people talk to me, they get into this obsession over what's the, what's the money, Right. So like you may have seen this too, where people are like, well, what language should I make so that I can bill out at a higher rate or I can make money or I can. And it's like, no, 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 it's not about that because you could be bored out of your mind making money. (laughs) You have to realize if you're a curious person, where are the challenges? Right. And that's very hard to figure out. You have to be real with yourself um, with that. And that's what I mean by dead. Uh, killing off your curiosity is like you you get into this area of like uh, it's almost like um paralysis it's like you don't know which thing to pick moving forward but if you really take a hard look you're just because you're focused so on the money instead of what's exciting you right like i've told people go start looking at machine learning right like go build some models there's tons of free courses out there on stuff right um go look at like tensorflow and and like uh, there's a great tutorial, like a beginning TensorFlow one on like, it's just flowers and you're feeding it data on flowers and then your mobile app can like, you can take a picture of a flower and it knows what it is. Yeah. And I'm like, that'll get you, that'll get the wheels like turning and that'll give you other ideas. Right. And um, that's great. That's great to hear that you've, you've realized that. I, I realized that about myself a long time ago too. I used to think it was burnout. In fact, when I was growing up, my friends, and some of my friends still call it, they would call it Izbitsky burnout. <laughs> and they'd be like, man, you were so passionate about us. You, you, you got us all to do this or you got us all to play this game and now you're on to something else. And I used to think there was something wrong with me. And then I'm like, no, it's like I, I just obsessed about it. And I f- got to the point where I felt like I figured everything out that I needed to find something else to be curious about. Well, we got to we got to chase that those neural firings, man. We build these neural structures, like right. Our, our neurons fire right when we're learning. We build it, You know what really interested me, Dave? Yeah. Is I started, I got into uh, like the physics of the brain and stuff for a little bit, just as like a little area that I consumed all the information on. And then I was like, all right, I understand this field of study next. Yeah. And, and I watched how the synapses build on top of each other as they fire and strengthen. And then your brain has this thing called a pruning process where it goes through and the neurons that aren't firing, it actually prunes them out to make way for new neurons. And so we forget at the rate of one bit per neuron per second. And it's called the forgetting curve. So the way you consume information is directly tied to the rate at which you forget it. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. So I was, I was wondering, uh, you know, everyone says, oh, I'm this type of learner. Or I'm that type of learner. Well, for me, when I watch something, when I see something, boom, like I'm there. When I hear something, I'm there. When I read something, ooh, not so much. Like it doesn't retain super well. So I just found that, um, and that's just something I knew about myself. Then when I found the forgetting curve, I'm like, oh man, this explains wh- why I learn the way I learn. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, um, I had, I need to do that. I need to like get into the science of that. Cause I had learned, I had read up on like personality types. Yes. Right? Cause I, as I was going through self-analysis and just trying to understand like, uh, how people handle stress and ideas and juggling multiple ideas in their head at the same time and how everybody's different. And a lot of that applies to conversational interfaces too, because I feel like 
right now, I mean, we're so early in day one. Um, while you know you can have a conversation with an AI, it still doesn't know your personality, and people do. And so that was a fascinating read. But I haven't gotten into like the actual brain chemistry of stuff. I'm sure I'd find that that fascinating. It, it's funny because um, I start to obsess about it. That and and like you'll find Reddit, like every little area has lingo, right? Yes. And so because I obsessed over fitness, this is this is just a funny thing. Like I felt. I felt embarrassed. Um, when I was flying back from, uh, gosh, where was I? Oh, I was at a, a Yelp partner forum in, in San Francisco, and I'm on the plane back to Philly. And there's an older gentleman next to me, and we just start talking. And he wound up being a retired cardiac surgeon. But he asked me if I was an MD because I was talking about my BPM and and all, all different technical terms and TDEEs and BMRs because of the Fitbit and the fitness and trying to understand how my heart reacted and what low intensity cardio does. And I, and I was like, no, I just read a lot, you know? No, I've got to say that. <laughs> and I'm like, I did not take, I'm sorry, I didn't get a real degree. You know, like I didn't go to college for like eight thousand years. Like you had to, right? Like I'm just a computer science guy, you know? And, but it was like, I was like, you know what, that's kind of, in a way, I think describes the personality type is that you do learn the lingo of everything. If you're going to truly understand it, you need to understand the acronyms and everything. And then once you define the terms, uh, I think every field is like that. It, it's almost like addiction. It's like a lexicon for looking up information within a specific domain. Yeah. So I have a, my brother and stepmom are both physicians. So. <laughs> Oh, so you probably have some of that lingo yeah. going around. Yeah. Oh, you hear you hear it. Yeah, for sure. If you grow up around it. But it was really interesting because my brother finished med school about five or six years ago, or maybe 10. I don't, time is going by, Dave. <laughs> it goes by so fast. <laughs> but when he was going through it, I remember he went to like one of the best med schools in the whole United States. People fly in from all over the world to go there. And 80% of the school is them just being in the office with a the doctor. They're not sitting in like lectures and they're not doing that type right, of stuff. Right. And they, because that's what will prepare them for what the real world will be. And then in like the last chunk of it, they study all the technical stuff. They, they get all the reviews and stuff for what they'll need to pass the boards. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I was, I was interested in that. And so they have this thing called like watch one, do one, teach one, or it sounds better than that. But uh, basically you watch someone perform a procedure perform the procedure, you do the procedure yourself, and then you teach someone to do the procedure. And that is the best way that they can come up with to develop a full, complete understanding of it. And I thought to myself, well, this is one of the most complicated things in the world. Everybody specializes in like one area because there's so much complexity in any given area. So I said to myself, I'm going to copy the way that they learn and apply it to myself. And what that meant for me was you know, at the time I was like, I'm not qualified to teach anyone. I've only been writing code for like 12, 13 years. <laughs> but then you realize right. that there's people that don't know how to do hello world and install Ruby. Like, so, yep. so when I found that ability to reach out and start mentoring and it wasn't for the money, it was for the experience. So I found the site and I went on it and you, they have students and you get paid to teach them remotely. And so I said, all right, well, I'll jump in some entry level students. And I started teaching and then they were like, oh, you're doing well. We want you to teach a class. And so I started teaching class and I started teaching kids coming out of code school all over oh, the world. Awesome. Yeah, it like really grew. And I'm like, I'm very excited because I still maintain like a perfect five-star rating on there. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> right, because you get people that get angry. But um, uh, so I, 
but through the, I found that that act of teaching someone that knows less than you to help them up really <clears throat> does a number of benefits. It motivates you. It, oh yeah, absolutely. It, it gives you a deeper understanding of the basics. So I suggest to anybody, like if you've been programming for two or three years, find the person that doesn't know how to install, that doesn't know what GitHub is like, or that doesn't know what Git is right. Like teach them how to make a commit. Like there's all, there's billions of people on this earth and new people are coming every day, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So there's you always have to learn what you don't know. And, and for me, you know, it's like for me, uh, I feel like I'm almost helping myself. Like that little boy that was so excited saw no limit to technology, and then I have all these years of people telling me and judging me and telling me what my potential is and who I am and what I'm worth, right? Because the world does that to you. But I didn't have that when I was a kid. I thought I was smarter than everybody, better than anybody, and there was no limit. And so when you teach someone, I feel like it eliminates those feelings they have. Like I've seen the light bulbs go off where people are like, I can do this. And um, it doesn't matter. It could have been, it could be, this has happened with Alexa skills. This has happened with uh, stuff I've done prior to that with Fire TV and Amazon. But I also worked at Microsoft for years. And so Windows and Windows Phone and Visual Studio and Xbox and like all these enterprise apps through the years, it's the same thing uh, I see with people is they, when the light bulb goes off, there's a sense of empowerment. And it's like, oh, I've just unlocked some potential I didn't know I have. And what those people told me and said that I was worth is no longer valid. It's it's funny how that works as a human being. I, I'm not immune to it either, you know? And so when I learn, I feel like it taps into that. So to be able to give that, like, I feel like I'm giving a gift to somebody, you know, right. when, you, when you do that in that way, because it does, it's, it's empowering. And when I was younger, you know, the whole telling a computer what to do and it not yelling back at you it just obeying your command that <laughs> yep. if you do that for a decade alone it gets uh you got to work on your people skills a little bit coming out of that <laughs> <laughs> but i found that teaching someone else is more rewarding than being right like oh yeah yeah, yeah well personal. because being right i mean gosh i can't tell you this was i just i just did a podcast um it's not. It's not out yet. You'll, it'll be. A, it's developer on fire. But it'll, oh, it'll I did out. this podcast. Oh, okay, awesome. There's tons of names on there, and I liked how he was asking about like values and success and and all of that. He's great. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, it's like for me. Oh gosh, now now I'm losing my train of thought. What were we just What were we just talking about? Developers you, you threw me off fire. when you said you did that, the podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> No, no, that's fine. We'll definitely um, not cut this part, though. This is like no, no, no. Please do. Yeah. And I'm an idiot. Um, but what were we saying? What was the question before it? Uh, we were no, teaching no, no. someone else. Uh, it is more rewarding than being right. This is it. Yes. So I talked a little bit about it on that podcast when I was early on in my career. Um, I was right a lot, and I spent ninety percent of my time trying to show people how right I was. And man, did I piss a lot of people off yeah. and I was right. And that's when I realized at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's right when you're dealing with people. It matters how they feel when they're interacting with you. And as I've gotten older, I mean, this happens, this just happened this week. Um, there was something that wasn't my fault, but I just covered for somebody else and I took ownership of it because you know what? It doesn't matter if, because of who I am in the org, if I messed up and 
it's like squashed the conversation and we just moved on versus like having a debate of like why this would happen and like make that person totally obsess over what they did wrong. And then it's like, it's the wrong things, you know, it's like human beings are messy and we all make mistakes. And I felt like in early on in my career, I spent too much time trying to prove to people how perfect and how right I was. It was, you know, and um, I start to see that in my kids as they're growing up. I'm like, oh boy, this is gonna this is gonna be a problem. Oh yeah. And I like I shut my teen daughter down when I say things like, oh, why am I arguing? I forgot you know everything when you turn 13. <laughs> and then she doesn't know what to say. So I'm like, yeah, I felt the same way when I was your age. You have a couple yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, I have uh, I have two girls, um, oh, nice. and they're they're amazing. Yeah, I have a, a ten year old and an almost fourteen uh, year old, and they're they're gamers like dad. Nice, and, and they share a lot of the same interests. Yeah, yeah, and they teach me more than I teach them. You know, it's it's great to see um, the world through through their eyes, and uh, and it's it's funny how, and you may find this too. It's funny how the lessons I've learned being a dad. Uh, are very valuable lessons in mentoring other people because it's like the same personalities, you know, like you, you see it, like, how do you feel uh, if, if you, if you feel like you're not in the right place, right? That happens with my kids in school, whether they're in the right friendships or not. How do you like thinking about the future, right? Um, It's like, we all, we all deal with that kind of the same way or like understanding, like uh, I, I, since my girls were little, I called it bucket fillers. Like I wanted them. I'm like, it's more important that you fill somebody else's bucket up and you make them feel good. And then I said, you'll never, ever have to worry about making friends. My oldest daughter didn't listen to that. <laughs> and she's <laughs> always struggled. Uh, my youngest daughter is like, she is a true bucket filler. She tr- fills my bucket up. Like she really does um, nothing but compliments. She helps other people. She rarely draws attention to herself. And because of that, she's like kids in the neighborhood knocking on doors, want to hang out with her. She's invited to like every birthday party. And she doesn't think anything of it either. It's just life to her. But I'm like, that's because what I told you, like, you know, people will be, want to hang out with you more when you make them feel better when they're around you. You know, it's, it's just the, the way we're wired. And, uh, I think you could take those kind of lessons in the life too. Uh, not just when you're, when you're a kid, but my kids, like everybody else, they can choose to take the advice or not to take the advice. And they're both very different with that. <laughs> oh man, dude, this is like, I love this podcast. This is like the life podcast with Joel and Dave. Yeah, <laughs> and learning. It's like, uh, is this a technology leadership? Talk? No, 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 this is, I think, but see, that's what I think. What it, real leadership is about is is um because I've always been in these positions, right? Here's here's my take on it. Because I struggled a while. I did the last time I did a manager job was uh, oh gosh, uh, what was when was uh, a while ago, two thousand. Yeah, uh, twelve years ago. Yeah. Um, and what I realized at the time was what mattered to me was leading. And what's fake now, I'm not judging on anybody, right? Because this is, it's different for everybody. What was fake for me when I was leading through authority, I always had people second because I'm your boss or I'm somebody else's boss. And what I found again, for me, what I found more authentic, more valuable, and what actually helped people in the long run was leading through influence. And so since that time, and I've had plenty of opportunities 
um, to to you know have people report into me. I would much rather have them dotted line or mentor them or work on projects with them because then I don't get a pass. It's all about me helping them and putting them first, and then you're a leader, right? And I've tried to, I've just tried to always uh, approach it that way. And so I've just been thinking a lot about that that lately. That's why you're hearing all this this side of me because I think it's, I think it's so important. And and I talk to so many different companies. I see it time and time again, and I think people have forgotten that it's like. I think that's why people obsess over levels too. It's like, I want the next level so that I can tell all these people and have these people do things. And it's like, no, you don't understand. You just gave yourself more work because nobody's going to do anything for you because they don't trust you. Yeah, people buy, <laughs> buy you before they follow you. Yes, exactly. And um, it's it's it's. I think that's a philosophy. I think CTO's same type of philosophy is that you need to focus on the culture Right. If you're if there's a type of culture where your employees have lost confidence in upper management, then anything you institute is going to fall apart as it works its way down. And so then you have to really start thinking about what are we as a company? What's you know, what what can technology do to better empower these people? Because that's the thing that's also super cool is that if like. I saw this. I mean, this is going back a couple of years, but I saw morale and like uh, NSAT improved at companies that just went out and bought all the developers new computers and dual screen monitors. And, you know, like some people are like, that's this, that's like, why would it do that? And I'm like, you don't understand. You know, coders are around every day. If you went and you spent $6,000 on each coder, you gave them a top of the line MacBook and two monitors. That is nothing compared to what you just did on your marketing budget. But that says you care about those people, you know, right. and like, it's a big deal. Awesome. <laughs> like environment change is important too. I mean, shift the desk around, watch how, what a great day you'll have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah. Whenever, and, I'm, whenever I'm a little down, like, you know, it just, you have been flow, but one of the, I have, I have built up Dave and I'm sure you have too, especially when I was reading some of your motivational posts, which by the way, love those on LinkedIn. Okay. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I got, I got to do more. I've run out of like what I've told myself. So I need to think about them. I was trying not to like, I was like, I could start quoting people and do one every day. Cause there are ones that are quotable, but I'm like, these need to be a little bit more insightful of like me. Right. So I got to do more of them. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what I've done is I've throughout my ebbs and flows of struggle and success and like happiness and ups and downs, I've developed this, this library or this suite of tools on how to change my state when I'm down. So like, Oh wow. Yeah. One of my favorite things is rearranging the house. And, uh, but one of the things we do is we go move our furniture around, boom, move our furniture around. Everything just feels your whole house opens up. You feel clean because your eyes and your brain like solidify the patterns and they just ignore yeah, them. Yeah, it's associating it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you just flip, you flip it around, and then boom! I'm telling you what, you move your couch around. Like Dave, if you go home, if you and your wife, you guys move, oh, just, just yeah. flip My the small one and the big one. A, uh, she, her mom is an interior designer, and oh, she's got, got it. I, I really, there's like a gene. So she is mixing things up. So maybe this is happening naturally for me. Yes, and is. I would. Yeah. And so it's like, I have kind of a say on things, but I trust her because every time I've, I mean, I've been married over 20 years. So every time I've ever argued when it comes to like a design thing, I've learned over that time, she's right. 
because when she does her thing and, and then I realize what she had in mind, it's great because I can't visualize it and she can, you know. But yeah, I think you're right. I think I've told people sometimes you just need to get out of the office, you know, even if, if you have the ability to work remote or you can even take a day off or even if you like work from home one day and you even if you just take a sick day, don't spend it at home. Like go out and you would be surprised that I think people forget you don't have to be at the company that you're at now. You know, like we get into these traps and a lot of people have bills to pay. I know, but you have to sometimes get to the point of your mental health and say, when you get out and you walk around like that, you're like, you know what? If I wanted to, I could take my family and we could just go somewhere right now. Like everybody could sell their house where they are now and buy a house for a third of what they would sell that house for. Yes, it would be in a different part of the country or the world, but you could do that. Oh yeah. Like you're we have such freedom and we're empowered to do that. So it's don't start creating these like mind prisons. You you know, you are and it's empowering when you realize, you know what, I'm where I am because I'm choosing to be where I am. Nobody has that control over you. Um, and that makes, you know, that I, I'm kind of getting into like what helps me too when, when I'm, when I'm done is yeah. that, you know, it's that, it's those type of things. I change, I go out cause I, I always have, and that's what I love the job that I have now too, is travel. I need to like go see other cultures, see other parts of the world, see the, see the living history. Yeah. Um, and just see when you travel too, you see people going all phases of life. So I see young families with little kids. I see retired couples. I see, you know, teens. I see college age. I see my age. I see, and you just see all these different stages of life. And it makes it always, at least it's a forcing function for me to take myself out of where I am currently and start thinking about where I've been and where I'm, I'm going to. And I think that's super important to get you out of your, your current day funk. That's why with some of those inspirational quotes I was talking about were yeah. the 24 hours. Because when you feel when you feel paralysis around making a decision, you need to hone back into just what am I doing today? Forget about the mistakes I made yesterday and forget about tomorrow. I need to reward myself for what I do today. And sometimes for me, that's like learning something new. It's it's getting on the treadmill or doing weights. Yeah. It's spending time with my kids. It's it's a decision you make every day because ultimately that's what we are is a, a culmination of all the decisions we've made before. Right. That is one hundred percent true. Like so, since we're talking about these, by the way, I'm actually in a hotel room right now on the other side of the United States from where I live. Oh. <laughs> I'm at, You've got a good connection for hotel Wi-Fi, yeah. Right? No, Dave, I rolled out the red carpet. I paid for the Wi-Fi for you. This isn't for my phone, <laughs> I'm my friend. Well, I am humbled. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I every time, you know, I was on, uh, Jackie's traveling with me today. She's our PR person for the show and helps with the booking and everything. And yeah. And Jake's our producer. But uh, when we're on the plane headed out here to RSA, I was saying, I was like, look, every time we get on one of these planes and we go to a conference and we meet people or whatever, I was like, it's just so, it reminds me that the world is so big. Right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like every time we're thinking about the show, and it's, it's interesting when I, when I see 40,000 people at RSA, right? It's the biggest conference I've ever been to, Dave. I don't go. Yeah. And, and so... I think to myself, we have 72,000 listeners. I was like, all the people here that I saw today isn't, is, is like half of our audience. I was like, yeah. it just blew my mind how many people actually listen. 
Oh yeah. It's so numbers are so hard as a human. You have to like visually see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's awesome. We, we have, we have to get some Alexa stuff though. Cause I, I have about, I have about 15 minutes before I have to go, uh, dude, get this FBI director of cybersecurity. Like I get to go get meet with them and Oh wow. Yeah, isn't that's that cool? Awesome. Like talk about super yeah. geek. <laughs> oh yeah. That's how I um uh, my career choices, right? So when I was at at school, about to graduate, I started looking at different um jobs, right? What I ultimately decided on was a Microsoft Solutions provider in in Central Jersey at the time. Um but I was interviewing with uh, IBM Global Services up in Fishkill. Um New York. And one of the other things I did was actually interview at the CIA. And this oh, nice. is going back to, um, yeah, this is going back to, uh, gosh, when did I graduate? So around 97. And um, I wrote this whole essay on how cyber terrorism was going to be the way that organizations waged, um, you know, how they combat it versus Wage physical war. combat. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that, you know, it was early, early on. And um, I, still have it like um the offer letter and all the information and stuff and my kids were like dad were you a spy and i was like no i would have been like one of those geeky guys you know like looking at satellite <laughs> but um but what was what happened was you have to do a background check which takes a year to, and this is why when you brought up fbi it's the fbi that was doing the background check and um what happened is i met my wife during that time period and so it got to this point of like you know what my life has started six months in and we both felt like this was going to be serious. And so I made the choice not to move down to Virginia. But it, it was, uh, you, you just brought that back. You know, it was, it was interesting, that path. And I, and it's, it, was, uh, it was the idea, again, and I think because we were talking about this, I think it was the idea of using technology to help other people too. Like having meaningful, meaningful impact. Um, I just, uh, you know, grateful for the folks that are, that are doing those jobs. Now, are you mentoring anyone in, in voice right now? Like, because you, you're, you're, you're a rock star in voice, right? Because to them, they see Amazon, Alexa, and they see Dave, and then they hear Dave talking. So, so whether you like yeah. it or not, I mean, you're the, you're the, <laughs> you're the face of it for them. So do you mentor anybody right now? And, and I, yeah, it's like an informal thing. Cause again, I don't like to even make formal programs because then it's like, I feel like, uh, it's a forced thing. I always like when people come up to me, cause it even happens at Amazon, Amazon has like a formal mentoring program and I then there's like all these people that are just hit me up in the hallway or want to put time on my calendar and talk. And I find that's more valuable because those aren't any kind of forced company thing. So I do that. There are people – a lot of what I do on stage is mentoring. So I'm a firm believer in that everything I've learned and I've shared – like people have shared with me, I kind of process all that together. And then I want to, I want to share like the cliff notes to that when I go out on stage. Oh, and that's, so, that's so good. Yeah. And that's kind of my way of presenting, right? Like in the early days, cause you know, for Alexa dev marketing, I was employee one in, um, this is going back to 2014, right? Nice. And so nice. I had to do everything. I had to do the webinars. I created this thing called Office Hours where it was every week we were doing. I, I felt like putting – I wanted to put a face to a company versus people being like, oh, Amazon doesn't listen. I just turned a webcam on. I was like, all right, come holler at me and tell me what's wrong and I'm going to go fix it. And so I did all that in the beginning. And then you know, as organizations grow, you have teams that can do that kind of stuff. And so what I found – is because of my view in the industry right now, 
of all the things that I'm seeing, the, the stuff that was super valuable to people was for me to come and give them my ideas on what's going on now, where this is all headed, what's Amazon doing, but what's also, you know, industry doing, and then help spark the ideas, especially brands, because I think brands are kind of confused about what, what does this all mean? Um, and, you know, how can I get started? And so it's almost like, besides the mentoring one-on-one that I do, and I also do it in my personal life too, just kind of like life coach stuff, not, um, not anything technical. Um, but what I, my presentation style, I think, and people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think my presentation style is that it's not like it's technical anymore. It's like mentoring around what this stuff is all about and what you should be thinking about. And I think that's been valuable for people. It's I've gotten emails or people that come up and they're like, you know what, like you inspired me, what you said, and I went back and we talked about this and we came up with this cool idea and check this out. And it's like, that's the stuff. I mean, I had nothing to do. That's all that person. I had nothing to do except just state the obvious. But that's, and, and that's, that's, we all have our, our roles in life and you, and they're all equal. Like this is important, that spark, you know, the spark plug is the most important part of the car at some point, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's true. So I have, you know, CTOs on every day and I've personally been excited because I've been kind of like, you know, spying your posts and stuff and interacting here and there with you on LinkedIn. So it's been like, usually I, I meet the guests for the first time when I talk to them. So I've had a little, little, little interaction digitally with you. So I was excited yeah. and talking to to guests uh, as the show is coming up about it, asking questions. One, I got a really good question, good topic of conversation that we want to know about behind the scenes um, with Alexa, and it was, do you consider social engineering when developing Alexa or Alexa skills? Social engineering, as in, as in, um, so here was here was the back conversation. Because that was the best way I could word the question. (laughs) But it's it's ambiguous. I feel you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just tell me like where it's coming from. uh, The guy had seen his kids talking to Alexa like a human. And then his friends, you know, in their 40s, 50s, almost commanding Alexa. And then the question was, you know, are the developers, you know, how are they dealing with the differences and inputs and the banter and the conversation? I got you. How do people interact? And and then do you steer it in a certain direction? Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. I mean, um, so there are so many people working on this way smarter than me. The way to think about it is there are Alexa skills, which is using an API, right, of which there are over 30,000. And like you and I can create an Alexa skill. Yes. And so there's going to be certain interactions like what Alexa says and what she displays on the screen or that's all determined by that developer doing that skill. And Amazon does look at all that and certifies it. Right. And our certification process also includes design guidance, which is, it's even happened to me, by the way, like I got design guidance of like, this thing isn't so good. You should think about this. And you're like, who are you to tell me how to design my skill? Right. But it does, it's so that it's a better overall experience. So there's that, but all of that is based on the natural language processing, right? So the the NLU and ASR and all of that of who Alexa is, okay? That's created by computer scientists. And that, like the way that that field works, you have to understand language has phonemes in it, right? And so there's certain sounds, words sound a certain way. And that's the beginning of it. Like when you talk to Alexa, is a certain sound 
to things. And then it, you have to understand the context of those sounds within the language. And by language, I also mean the culture. So it's very different from somebody speaking English in the US than somebody speaking English in the UK. And it's also going to be different somebody speaking in Japan. You know, the jokes are going to be different. The order of words are going to be different. And so it's really understanding that of like how what words are more likely to appear after other words and what are people really getting at? And what happens is you have what's called a model. So you have a language model for that culture. So let's just say US English, right? Then when you have, if you've had an echo, um, you can go into the Alexa apps and you can do voice training or it just happens naturally over time the more that you talk to Alexa. So what happens over time is what you're talking about is there's a language model that's built based on the way that you ask for things so that over time you don't have to be as formal. Alexa kind of gets you, nice. right? And so that language model is combined with the, the model of that culture and the language, and that's how she understands context. And then when a developer creates a skill, uh, if you've ever created a skill or you talk to a developer who's created a skill, they'll tell you it, it's compiled. It's not a real-time thing. And what happens is it's building a model. It even says that in our in our IDE. You'll see it's building the model. Yeah, and so that model is based on the type of conversations that that skill might have so that when you're having a conversation with that skill, it can be even more accurate because it knows you're not going to have a conversation about a different topic. Now, it's still able to have the conversation about everything Alexa knows, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not like you're suddenly going to be playing a, a game on, on one thing and then switch to another game right? Unless you asked for that, then it would move out of that model. So it's a combination of those models. Now, on top of that, we also released, oh gosh, I want to say it's got to be at least six months now. I forget the timing of stuff, but we released voice profiles where you can turn that on and then Alexa will know me just by my voice. And so what's great about that is if you do training and you turn on voice profiles, then your Alexa will be much more accurate for you than your significant other versus <laughs> having Alexa kind of like be this amalgamation of all the members of your family talking to her at the same time and she can't distinguish how people ask for things, right? right. It's kind of like your, your recommendations when you go to Amazon. I have uh, tons of gamer stuff for me and then there's all the girl clothes for my kids and then there's like – uh, my kids collect pops, so there's pop stuff. There's makeup for my teen. So it's like I, the recommendations I get are crazy. So I started creating profiles where it was dad, mom, and kids, and we can switch based on profiles. And then the recommendations are great because they're based on those individual tastes. Same thing with like, you know, you may do it with um, Netflix or other kind of services. So you should think of that Alexa like that. In order for her to truly know you, you should, one, make sure that you've set up those um, – uh, profiles so that she has the ability to understand who she's talking to. Two, make sure you're using the language that's uh, most specific to you. And the reason I do say that, you're like, well, of course I'm going to use the language. I, you know, I travel a lot. So when I'm in London, it's very funny. Like my kids like using the, the UK one because it's Harry Potter-ish. <laughs> but I found like there are people in the UK who like the American US. But when they do that, she's thinking like US English. She's not thinking UK English. And so when they go in culturally and make references or speak a certain way, that model is different. So that's what I'm saying is figure out the language based on where you are and your, your culture. 
And then last, set up the ability to recognize by your voice. And so that way things automatically happen. So when I go ask for a certain song, then she knows it's me asking for that song, right? Yeah. And with the music, the recommendations, when I go and say, Alexa, play something new, right? I love like she'll that. do I something guessed that for, command for once and she did it. Like I didn't know that it existed. I was just like, come on. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I, I want to do a lightning round. Right. So yeah, sure. Like a number of these questions um, about Alexa and voice and stuff out in like 20, 30 seconds per question before I have to go run over to RSA. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, okay. Happy to. What do you do if your name is Alexa? You have to change. We, we do give the ability to have different um, names so you can have computer. Most people I know do Echo. Um, you could do Amazon or computer. Okay, will we be able to change the utterance in the future so I can be like, yo, Shelly, or something? <laughs> that It's a computer science problem. Yeah. So that is a customer request we have heard of, but it's, you know, it's, it's not something that you can currently do. It's Alexa computer or Echo or Amazon. Perfect. Do you, re- now with that, with the feedback, do you regularly communicate feedback with the developers? If so, how are you doing that? Just are you in the office with them? Do you have special meetings? How do you... Developers as in our community or as in Amazon specifically or partners? As in people, you're out as the face. People are telling you things. How do you communicate that effectively back to the people? Oh, yeah. So I, uh, it's funny. I shared this at a talk. Eric Olson has a group. He's a, um, uh, he's a great uh, Alexa dev. He's been doing it for years. He's got a group out in Seattle. So I went out there and sorry. I had this. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, this is my device. Guess the <laughs> I'm saying her name. The I'm saying her name a lot now. Yeah. Um, and so I did this talk called "An Evangelist's Tale" there and back again. And one of the things I had never shared before was um, I created this Voice of the Developer wiki, and it was like the first eighteen months. Uh, it's 80 pages long. I still have it. Oh, and wow. it was every single question I ever got asked. It was the entire Q&A from office hours. And so the entire engineering team had access to that. And in fact, the the head of the engineering team is this really great guy, uh, Bob. And uh, he basically would have the onboarding process. Anytime they would hire somebody into that team, they'd have to go through my wiki. And the devs loved it because they felt like they talked to the people they were coding for. Like they had never seen anything like it. Like there's forums, there's social media, but the fact that I had 18 months of like emails and questions and then I categorized it. So like I would say, here are the top asks for ask mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the themes. And like, so our roadmap was was built around that. And then what I do is uh, because of where I sat in the org and still sit in the org, I would meet with the senior leaders of the engineering orgs. And I would, it was kind of like ideas that I would hear. So I'd be like, why can't we do this? And they'd be like, well, we need to get here, here, and here first. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're, if you're doing these three things, you realize if you just work on this fourth thing, you kind of eliminate the need for that. Right. And a lot of that in the early days was like, why are we writing everything? Why isn't there an API to do this? Like, let somebody else build an amazing IDE. Why can't I sit there on my Mac and just be able to push a skill? And so that's all built now too. That's all our um, skill management API interface. Yeah, you have the ability to do I messed around with doing one for the podcast to be able to install the modern CTO skill and play episodes from yep. the podcast. Yep. It was a GUI interface. And I got to tell you, you know, I used to hate GUI interfaces when I was like super geek. It was like, it's not real, you know? <laughs> but I'll right. tell you what, the fact that I could sit down and just do it, I'm like, this is unbelievably accessible. Yeah. And I think the way that you do it is you make it 
you you make the best possible tool you can for people who want to use that and people who are just starting out. And then you make the tool for people who just want to sit in the command line and already have their own tooling. And then you open it up with an API so that others can build even better tools. And I think I, right now where we are in 2018, I, I feel like we've got all that and we're in, a, we're in a good place. And that's where you'll see the innovation around that. You know? So speaking of 2018, what do you think the biggest like awesome breakthrough in voice is going to be this year? Oh gosh, I think um I think and this isn't me like saying roadmaps or anything right, right, right. Amazon specific. I think across the industry I think what's going to happen is there's this groundswell of people using stuff. And this is what I tell brands too is that if you created something in 2015, you could kick the tires and failed and no one had noticed. But now there's skills within the same category that you would be as a brand with thousands of four or five star ratings from Amazon customers. Mm -hmm. And so I think what we're going to start seeing this year is the iteration of that. It's no longer like a simple back and forth skill, but it's stuff that becomes very valuable. Like it's a, like it's a go-to. And I think we've seen some of that already um, with Alexa, like the music being there, um, you know, like it's become my go-to for being able to listen to music, uh, weather, you know, those kind of things. I think smart home is becoming Ooh, yeah, that way for people. Big too, yeah. yeah. But what I want, um, is to see that for brands and third parties as well. I want them to be successful with conversation and voice. And so I, I feel like we're going to see, and maybe it's like an angry birds kind of Ooh. thing where it's like, we see like a new form of gameplay. I actually, I did a blog post. You'll see it on our blog where, where it's my thoughts for brands. Um, and I, I call it um, conversational gaming too, because what I think is, and I'm you're starting to see some skills like this, right? Is that um, if everybody has an Alexa device, right? Then why can't I just suddenly decide to play a game with anybody in the world? That it's like that community yeah. that you don't get on mobile. Can't, can right? you, can't you do that already? Some of the skills are starting to do yeah. that. I just played a trivia one and it's like, you're playing with so-and-so and it's anonymous. So you don't, yeah. you don't hear anybody's voice, but they just say where they are. And I thought that was the, the coolest like worst thing. friends with Alexa. Exactly. And so I think that's what's different here is it's really because it's, it can be so quick. You could be doing something else. So I could be writing like a, a long email and maybe I just need some inspiration like I'm just throwing ideas out there. Right. And I'm like, you know, uh, all right, world inspire me. And there's like somebody who just was going through the same thing. Um, and they're saying something and you're like communally sharing. And I think that will really be the breakthrough because you, you started to reach a, a saturation point where people are familiar with how to do this. Um, you know, we've announced, uh, that there are 10 millions of Alexa devices out there already. Right. And so it's like, when you start looking at those kind of that kind of community and people getting used to it. I think that's what we'll see. Ooh, um, you know what? You know you're, you know what's running through my head right now? The early yeah. 2000s, late 90s uh, chat chat room, like aimed like style AOL chat rooms where like you go into a topic yeah. and everyone's just blasting off about the topic. But it's actually, now that I, now I think about it, it would be extraordinarily suited for voice because I could see, you know, my wife yeah. like, 
doing something with our baby going through a new stage and her just being like, Hey moms, like what's up with this? And then like mom's reply. Exactly. And that's why Facebook was popular with groups, all that, but it's, it's anonymous and it's sharing of data. And because the AI has the ability to understand the context of what you're asking, because that's, this is what I tell people is that voice isn't built for everything. Like if you don't know what you want, it's better, like, let's say shopping, like it's it, shopping is great if you know exactly what you want. But if you're like, um, feel like buying a new pair of shoes, right? That is so generic. You're better at having a visual drill down. But if you know exactly what you want, like you just said, like a mom question, yeah. the ability to tap into that conversational instantaneously wherever you are without having, I mean, you could even be in the kitchen doing something like this happens all the time. For me, it seems to be in the kitchen. Like if we're if we're cooking dinner together, a lot of times, like my oldest daughter, she loves. Um, we'll we'll cook stuff together. We'll just ask Alexa for things. Yeah. So we can like ask for, uh, and she's asked for recipes and and, and I do conversions like with her. She does conversions. Yeah, yeah. You could do conversions yeah. too. Yep. That you could do all that. And uh, uh, now she's to Alexa. Stop. Now, do you have a special like behind the scenes version of Alexa? No, and Aww. this is uh, this is a Dave thing. So I've been in this type of role. Um, I started an evangelist role in uh, Microsoft in 2007, mm-hmm. right? So 11, 11 years. And what happened was in the beginning, because I'm such a geek, I wanted to have every early device and I wanted to be part of every beta. beta. And what I found what would happen over time is things change so much. When you see the behind the scenes factory, sometimes – it's the same way at every company. Like some, you're, you're literally, you know, things are being built while you're using it. Um, and so I realized I could still give feedback. Um, but the more that I used it, the more, the harder it got to live in the world of release. And you see this, um, I think it's common in our industry where you'll see people slip up. They'll give like code names or they'll be like, Oh, that's right. We changed that feature in X, Y, Z. And so what I always try to do is live in the tooling that people have, because I think that's the biggest mistake you can make. And it's a disservice to the community is if you know, something's coming and being built and you're using those tools every day or those devices every day, you forget what people have to deal with. Every oh, day. that's right. And I want to feel the pain that people feel every day, even if I know something's coming. And so that's why, um, I'm just weird like that. Like even the, even the swag, I don't have Alexa t-shirts and hoodies and socks. Like I send that out to devs. Like I want them to all, to all have that stuff, right? Like it's all about them. And so I just, I feel the same way about early access to things. Um, and I, I do like, I, That's you know, a great perspective. Yeah. And I credit, I do, you know, I have input into it and I know like you'll see me doing the blog posts and things like that, but I just, the, my day to day, I want to live in the world in which everybody else is living in so that if there's pain there, I can make sure we fix it. That is, yeah, that is why I'm not, if I'm not, I have zero experience as a product evangelist, <laughs> but that is, that is something I'm sure I'd find out real, real quick, right? Cause you're running yeah. around and you're like, oh, don't worry, don't worry. It's on its way. It's on its way. And then that person kind of hates you cause you've got like the solution already. And they're like, why isn't it to me yet? Right. So, yeah. so last two real quick, um, Gary V huge fan of voice. I'm a fan of Gary V's message about bringing value an overwhelming sense of value to individuals and then they'll naturally give back because that has worked very well for me in business. So I'm a fan of, of that message of his. Um, but he's a big fan of voice. Do you ever get to hang out, talk to Gary about voice? So he, uh, I'm invited. I'll be speaking with him uh, at the VoiceCon in New York 
next month. Oh, nice. Um, I've interacted him with him a little bit over Twitter. Uh, I thanked him for the Crushing It book, which I've been going through his new book. Uh, I'm a big it's fan. It's queued up on my Audible right yeah, now. Yeah, I loved what I loved about that book is it's kind of like what we're talking about. It's like not all about him. It's it's all about the people um, that he's inspired and, and like what they've done. And Because I just love hearing people's stories, yeah. right? Um, and that's what that book is like. Um, so yeah, I will have time with Gary uh, next month. And so I'm really looking, um, I'm looking forward to, for that. He's been doing a lot of stuff around voice. He sees trends. He's the type of person that can see what's coming and understand what that means for today, which is huge because most people, especially if you're successfully uh, servicing customers, you've got great revenue, you don't want to change anything. And so there's this tidal wave coming and you've got to like grab a surfboard yeah. And be able to ride that Start wave, some or you're gonna drown. You know, you know the, I was, um, I always find like one of myself latches onto things, and so I was anti-voice. I was like, I don't like talking to my devices. Don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like it. Um, I'm in my early 30s, and then this December at Christmas time, I'm sitting there getting my hair cut. I don't have any voice technology. Period. Never talk to it. Don't use it. Period. And my hairdresser is doing my hair, telling me about how her. 10 year old daughter or 11 year old daughter and her best friend, their favorite thing to do in life is to come home from school and ask Alexa to do things, play songs. And that, that all she wants for Christmas is a dot. And then the next day I hear someone telling me, Oh man, like my wife really wants this you know, Alexa thing. <laughs> and then I, I said to myself, yeah. I go, all right, done. The next generation is obsessed with it, falling in love with it. And so I go home to Michelle and I said, Michelle, the most important thing in my life right now, I hear, I've heard Gary talk about it. For like once or twice, I've heard so-and-so. And then the hairdresser, I said, I'm going to purchase an Alexa right now. I flip open my phone to Amazon it. And there's a there's an Amazon package sitting on my, because it's like the middle of December, sitting on yeah. my kitchen counter. And it's an Alexa. Because it was my Christmas huh? present. She just didn't give it to me. Because she, oh, she listens awesome. to me listen to Gary. So right. at the time, you know, I binge, like I'll binge Tony, I'll binge Gary, I'll binge like different thought leaders to... to Keeping yeah, and you could play your Audible books. You could play podcasts on there. Oh yeah, it's you know what it, it's 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 um it's the idea of ambient computing. Like I don't even try and use the word voice when I'm talking to people anymore because I I agree with you. I think voice is like we remember just talking to our phones. I say conversational UI because that's really what it is. Is it's just I forget where the echoes are in my house. Even I just have a question and I ask to the air. It's interesting which ones answer because the way that my house is set up upstairs because of the acoustics, as it goes to the upstairs, sometimes the upstairs will answer when I'm in the kitchen. Like it's the mics are that good. Um, but that I think says a lot about what's different. If, if anything that I think there's your the, book, the convenience this is your book. This is, you know, the title is called, it's called Ask to the Air by David Spitzer. Yeah, there you go. I, I have to work Conversationally on it. I need to be a better, I need to be a better writer in order to, in order to do that. No, you take your, take your talks and then turn them into writings and then release a book. I, I'm telling you what, people are going to love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could be, you could be right. That's one of, one of the interesting things because I do so many talks is a lot of the people I've talked at will make like a minute and a half clip. You may have seen me post this on LinkedIn where it's like a quote yeah. from me. And I'm like, I should actually be doing that because it'll be more helpful for people because there's all these things I've said. And Gary does that too, where you, he's, let's say it's like, it's very documenting where it's like, he's talking all day long and I'm doing the same thing. I'm talking all day long. 
but yeah. I don't document it enough. And then it's funny because I look at myself and I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty smart. I should listen to that guy. And it's like, oh wait, that was me. I just forgot what I said. <laughs> yep. That, <laughs> so, that's how, how I did my book is they were reoccurring talks. I would oh, give wow, technology awesome. entrepreneurs and I realized that I was giving the same 12, 15 talks like over, I'd be like, oh, this person needs to hear this. And I gave it and I would just, I just, unintentionally through a large volume, I was working with private equity, seeing number of deals come through. Yeah. So I, I just unintentionally just keep giving these speeches over and over. And finally I'm like, Oh, you need to hear these three speeches, but I only have like five minutes and that would take like a half hour. So, uh, I need to write these down. And then eventually I just hired somebody to sit with me and have me tell them and record them and go over them and turn them into writings for an hour, like twice a week. And then that turned into my book and we wow, hit number that's... one for technology leadership. Good for you, man. That's awesome. The last thing, real quick, um, if people want to find out more about you, what would be the best way to do that? Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, how do you want people to reach out? Just one URL, thedavedev.com. The Dave Dev. Yeah. And then the podcast, if they're interested in my Alexa uh, podcast. How could they not be? <laughs> it's alexadevchat.com. But you'll get yes. that off thedavedev.com too. So either yeah. works. We got a little Alexa in here at the end, which I love. Yeah, right? yeah. But we got this is I love the life and learning. This life and learning with Dave yeah, and Joel. Well, that's the more, that's the most important thing, right? It is. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So I I can't wait. I'm gonna stock your schedule and because I go to the conferences and stuff too. I'm gonna make an excuse to find a conference that like aligns with both of us, so I can get you a high five and a and a selfie or something like that. Yeah, would love it. More awesome. than happy to. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this. Get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.